Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, and we know it's a shocker. It's been a very long time. The last time we did this, it was still 2022, but we are back. This is another edition of The Bird Calls. I am your host, David Grubb, and joining me are stalwarts Ali Cosell, the editor-in-chief of The Bird Rights, and Larry Nance's number one fan, Mr. David Fisher. (laughs) Gentlemen, it's been a while and in that time, the Pelicans have found themselves climbing to third in the Western Conference. Um, they're just coming off a, a difficult um, you know, loss to the Boston Celtics. Um, we're 42 games into the season, and this team is on pace to win 50 games for only the second time in the history of this franchise. Uh, Fish, I'm going to start with you where they are relative to what your expectations were to start the season. Uh, how do you feel about the Pelicans through the first half of the season? Relative to my expectations before the season, they're on pace. Now, if you told me that the Pelicans were going to be on pace with my predictions, with how the injuries have gone, I would have been overjoyed. But this is about where I expected them to be. Um, maybe the West hasn't been quite as strong, so they're a little higher in the standings than I thought they'd be at third, uh, with a little bit of a cushion, actually, between themselves and fourth and fifth. Um, but um, they're about where I thought they would be um, with good health. Um, they haven't been quite as good offensively as I thought they would be, but they have balanced that with being substantially better on the whole defensively. Um, than, than I expected, which has been which has been the thing really that's kept them afloat throughout all the injuries is the fact that they have been remarkably um, consistent defensively on, on just the basic stuff. Um, and if you just execute it every night, like we talked before, before the game started, like you're going to give yourself a chance. And that's, that's what they've done. And that's what, that's what a winning culture really does is like, just come in and do your job every night. And um, I think that's one of the things that's why this city has has rallied around the team so much is because they just freaking try hard every night. Like they try hard against the Boston Celtics and they they have no business being in that game. The Boston Celtics are not 100 percent, but they have their top two guys and the Pelicans we know are down their top two guys. And they just didn't care. They were like, no, we're going to go try to win the game. Um, and I, I, I freaking love that about them. Ollie. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with Fish because I had him slated for 48 wins. If you would have told me that they'd be on pace for over 50 with 
CJ, Zion, and Jonas, or excuse me, and uh, BI playing in just 10 games. Those guys have played 172 minutes together. And, and to see they're in third, I mean, there's, they've been solidly in the top three in the West now for what, six weeks or something like that? It's been, it's been for more than half the season, I think. That's impressive. And I know, Fish, you said that the West is weaker, but I think there's just more parity. But the fact that the Pelicans have owned home court and they've done well, people don't know this, I don't think, because nobody's really talking about it, but they've done really well on the road against sub-500 teams. They're 5-2. and two. So the Utah Jazz, they were above 500 in case people are thinking, well, no, we lost to them. But no, they were over 500 at the time, and they were playing better ball than they are now. So to me, they, they're hitting all the check marks. I think Greb and I have always tried to talk about in building a winner here in New Orleans. You've got to take care of home court, and you've got to beat the, you know, the crappier teams, the ones below 500. So they've done that. But it's the way they've done it is the most impressive, right? I mean, since we last did a podcast, I'm not sure when we did it, but look, Jose Alvarado can win you a game. Najee Marshall, I mean, how great has he been since Zion went out in that Philly game with that hamstring injury, right? He's averaging about 20 points a game. To think that he'd be this consistent on a nightly basis, giving you production compared to what we saw in previous years, I don't think anybody predicted. I know none of us certainly did. So for the most part, there's been so many positives, right, Greb? And I'll, I'll throw it back to you because I know we want to make this quick. But look, anywhere from talking about the stars and C.J. McCollum, let's face it, he is providing exactly what we thought he would when he first landed here in New Orleans. He got off to a slow start, but now that he's passed his sicknesses, he's, he's an all-star player in my mind. Since, since he beat COVID, he's averaging, I think, like 20, over 26 points a game, four rebounds, five assists, something along those lines, but shooting lights out. He's shooting like almost 50% from three over that stretch. And it's not just catching shoots. I mean, last night against the Celtics, it was pull-ups. He made five of nine. He's one of the best pull-up shooters in the game today. He's doing everything without the turnovers finally. So they've got the stars. They've got the role players. And, you know, once B.I. gets back, once Zion gets back, and if Herb can ever stay healthy, I think they could legitimately, you know, push for either one or number two in the West. I, um, you know, the path to which they got to where they are, I don't think any of us could have predicted. You know, like you said, the path to 25 wins at this stage. Again, if you said that the 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 big three, quote unquote, would play 10 games together and they would have 25 wins, um, you'd be shocked. Um, I'm. I, I think the offense has been fine for the most part, considering how many games you have missed from key components and how those pieces dramatically have kind of changed at their fit um, when you take out Zion and BI from the equation and you, you know, like we could talk about Zion for one thing, but, but BI we're, we're at 27 games now for BI missed this season, 26, 27. He's played in 15. I know. Yeah. That. So it's 27 missed games. So, you know, that the continuity for him in particular, because he was averaging under 20 points a game when he left, not that he was playing poorly, but I'm just saying, you know, he, he didn't have enough games to be B.I. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think with that, considering the offense is still where it is, is, is one thing. Um, the improvement on the defensive end early was exceptional. I've been a little concerned, and I, that's something that I've harped on. Not like it's, it's not I – don't, I don't think it's the Titanic, but I am concerned with the slippage lately that they have allowed teams uh, particularly – uh, they've they've gotten into the bad habit of turning the ball over a bit a bit too much, mm-hmm. and then the, uh, the the rebounding, you know, against Boston in particular, that that shouldn't have been as bad a rebounding disadvantage as it ended up being. 
considering who Boston was missing up front um, and where guys like Al Horford played. I thought that they, you know, that last night was a bad rebounding night for them. And there are nights that they are getting to doing those things where they allow teams to get to the rim. That rim protection is still an issue. The depth in the front court and how it's being used to me is still an issue. So it's not a perfect team, but they are top. I, I, you know, I, I firmly believe this is a team capable of finishing top three in the West. However, that shakes, and, and certainly health is the biggest part of that equation. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a top three team in the West, and I think we all believed prior to the season that at the very least they were capable of advancing to the second round. And now where we sit today, I would give them a as, as good a shot as anybody. Um, I think it's in the West. I think the three best teams in the West are exactly where they are, Denver, Memphis, and the Pelicans in some order. I think those teams have shown you that they are deeper or that their high end talent is better, whatever that's some uh, than the rest of the West. So I like them shaking that way out. The rest becomes matchups and health. Zion Williamson has the potential. And Ali, we talked about this offline in the playoffs. The best player in the series typically wins. If Zion Williamson's on the floor, he's got the potential in any series to be the best player in the, on the floor. Brandon Ingram to agree to a degree does as well. But if you don't have Brandon and Zion available, if that's where you end up in the postseason, and I'm not saying that, but that's on the table. That always has to be a concern now. And CJ is the peak, then your ceiling is lowered. So I still think they could get out of the first round if, if CJ were the best player on the in, on, in on the team going into the playoffs. But they're not a finals team. But if they have Brandon and BI at, at, at full and they are at relative full strength going into the postseason and they make a move, I legitimately believe this. Yeah, they could. They I, if they went all in, I think that this is a team that could go to the NBA Finals. I don't know if they win a championship, but I think that this this is a team that could maybe have its Toronto moment if the, if things fall into place and you make a move or two to secure, you know that 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 one piece. It's a fantastic time to be a New Orleans Pelicans fan, man. I really freaking love this team. Yeah, I mean, you've got the three stars. Yeah, to, just to bounce off of you real quick, Grub. Mm-hmm. So when CJ, B.I., and um, um, Zion. Zion are on the court, when I said it's only been 172 minutes, they're a plus 16.5 net rating. That, that, that's gangbuster. So any offensive problems, I have no concerns whatsoever. Well, I'm course, not concerned about looking, the offense. Yeah, I'm not concerned right, about the offense. Right, yeah. And, oh, and and the fact that the defense this. has been usually stable, right? I, I look at, like you said, Grub, the turnovers. they got to keep them low. Otherwise, I don't care how good your defense is. You're going to give up 110 points. And the other thing is, of course, the opponent's three-point shooting, which has been creeping up, at least creeping the conversion up. rates over the last like, couple weeks. They've been starting to give up the corner. Yeah. The corner, Ali, because the Pelicans – remember we talked at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to let you go back to this, but I think it's an interesting point that you brought up, and I just wanted to reinforce this. Last year, the Pelicans were the worst team and one of the worst teams in the NBA defending the corner three and one of the worst in converting from the corner. Mm-hmm. They have gone back to that over the last stretch of games to where they are giving up threes from the corner again, and they are not making, look at the three distribution for the Pelicans. CJ is not a corner three shooter. He is an above the break shooter predominantly. Uh, uh, Trey is an above the break shooter. The Pelicans are not converting their corner threes and they're not taking corner. No, threes. they're not looking for them. Out. That's exactly right. Yeah. For me, it's a defending it more, more than trying to make it because let's face it, we know what the offense is. And mm-hmm. even with Zion missing the fact that you can still play smash mouth with like Najee, 
And I love that CJ's finally cut out those turnovers, right? I wasn't sure if he'd ever get over, you know, committing like five a game and being kind of loose with the dribble or making some ill-advised passes. That seems to have gotten cleaned up. And now Jonas has kind of become a force again. So there's a lot of positives trending, even though, like you mentioned, Grub, there's some negatives too. Fish, do you got anything to add? Um, like in terms of the defense, like it, it has waned lately. I think some of that is opponent. Honestly, they've played a lot of good teams and they have yeah. a lot of good opponents coming up. <clears throat> um, and especially like the Celtics stress all defenses in a way that like you have to give up something and everything that it feels like you're going to give up is, is a poor decision. So, um, but at the same time, I've seen individual uptick um, her before he went down with that injury, especially like in the Brooklyn game. And before mm-hmm. that, like he has looked like he is, he is back to being Herb defensively, like what he was doing on Kevin Durant, especially in the first half, like that was a masterclass defensively, um, what he was conducting. So that's good. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about, we'll have like a whole section on Dyson, but just all the time Dyson's doing stuff, especially when it's not like go score the ball, has been fabulous. Um, and Jose still brings it all the time. Um, so, but there, there is like that defensively the the pain point of of the limitations of Jonas because Jonas executes the scheme but Jonas has weaknesses teams can isolate and focus on those weaknesses um, I think especially with starting units or mostly starters has been the thing that jumps out to me the most because once they focus on that one pain point it opens up all of the other stuff, the the corner three-pointers, shots at the rim, the stuff that you don't want to give up. Yeah, you know, as you look at it, the last 15 games, the areas, the biggest areas for the Pelicans defensively where they have lacked, you know, they're still number one in the league at defensive rebound percentage. But when they don't get, when they do give up a defensive board, teams are turning those into second chance points. The Pelicans are giving up an insanely high rate of second mm-hmm. chance points. The points off turnovers, like you said, they are in the bottom 10 in the league in the last 15 games in giving up points off of turnovers. So they are not good in transition defense situations. That shouldn't be with a team as athletic as the Pelicans are. That They should be able to get back in transition and stop more of these than they do. And then points in the paint has become a big problem for the Pelicans again in how many they're allowing. The offset always was with the Pelicans were going to lose each night. We knew they were going to lose the battle probably of total points from three. But you were supposed to offset that by points in the paint. Certainly, you know it goes down when Zion is not on the floor. But the Pelicans are giving up almost um, eight to ten more points in the paint than they were you know, over the first 27 games of the season. That's a big difference. So that means the guard have not been defending as well up top. That means that the rotations have not been as good on the back end. And I will say this as far as a player goes, and I want to get this one off right at the top because I've been putting these stats because it's driving me nuts. And this player in general, if you two, Ollie, you hate to keep beating a dead horse, it seems. But Jackson Hayes is still doing the same stuff defensively on the front line that don't help. He's not blocking shots. He's not ending possessions. He's not doing things on defense. Yeah, every once in a while he does good in one-on-one defensive situations on the perimeter. 
but he is not giving the Pelicans something good. And then on top of that, Billy Hernan Gomez, in my opinion, not getting minutes, a guy who does, again, close off possessions. And when I do that number I that I posted, that Jackson has given you let, half as many double-doubles as Czech Diallo in half as many games and nearly half, fewer than half, as what Billy has given you in two-thirds of the games. And we're in year four, and he's still getting 15 to 18 minutes a game. It makes no sense. Yeah, Jackson's inconsistencies, you know, drive me crazy, too. There'll be one game, like you said, he can guard splendidly, even off switches, a smaller man, beautifully one-on-one. Or he will actually run back in transition and block a shot from behind. Or, you know, he'll have that unbelievable touch. And that's what stands out for me. Forget the athleticism. It's his touch that he's got. But yeah, he's got no basketball moves. So if he is guarded by Kyrie Irving or somebody, he should go right underneath the rim, seal them, get an easy bucket, a drop step or something. Never see it. I, he had to convert some crazy, difficult shot at the rim the other day against a small guard. I, I can't remember the game or who it was against, but everything's difficult for him because he doesn't have any basketball moves. He's in year four. And then for me, it, it, it's the other things too you mentioned. His fundamentals, he's slow to rotate. He, he either doesn't know how to get there in time what to do, whether to go and contest heavily, take a charge. He's always kind of just stuck, right? And no, no man's all too often. And then by putting him on the wing, you're turning him into a kind of a connector, a passer. Well, he's had far too many passes this year to where he's kind of tried to throw it either into the lane or cross court. It's been intercepted. Like these passes that you're taught back in grade school, don't throw that one. That's Why is a sitter throwing jump passes, Ollie? Yeah, I know. So he's been kind of yeah, he's been playing out of position. See, everybody said he's a four. He's not a four because where, where's the skill set? He's not shooting the threes. He can't dribble and you know drive, take his man you know from the perimeter down to the to rim. So I don't know what his position is to be honest with you. So it's all on him. But the we're trade block a little bit too much because he is only getting what 15, 18 minutes a game. And and the other big factor for me right now is Devonte Graham. He's just not giving you anything, right? You were not hoping that this thing. year, coming off last year, where he was pretty much okay up until through the end of December, and then his shooting fell off a cliff. You were hoping that this year would be different. He did. He started this year differently shooting the ball, but again, he's hit another big rough patch. Last six weeks or so, he can't buy a shot. I think he's made two out of 15 or 16 from deep for this month. And I agree, his defense is better. His decision-making is better. But he's out there primarily to shoot the outside shot and be a threat. And I think he should be the Pelicans' fourth uh, deadliest shooter, or at least the fourth biggest gravity maker, and he's not that. So I don't know what value he's giving you out there right now. He's shooting 22.7% from three-point range over his last 15 games. Yeah, we won't be having this discussion, right, if the team's fully healthy, but let's face it. I don't know if they will be until maybe the playoffs or somewhere close to us. We have to talk about these guys, and that's why we will on our next podcast, of course, talk about some trade candidates because they do. They could go ahead and probably make a trade or two that would help this team. Because it's here's here's the difficulty for the Pelicans, and and I think that's the important thing is like where they are right now. We like our definitive stance. The three of us is, hey, there is no complaint about being third in the West. There's no complaint about the New Orleans. Not at all. With with what they've gotten to to get to this point, we're not. We are not going to be those people. But. That doesn't mean that there aren't areas of concern. And the whole point for any team is to minimize the areas of concern over the second half of the season. And for the Pelicans, it's as you, the, the, the depth, and this is what I think we've had this conversation for t- two 
is depth is about the regular season. It's about surviving these stretches when your stars are gone and things like that because you're going to tighten that rotation when you get to the postseason. You may go nine, maybe ten based on foul trouble, but it's that it's not going to be the 13 guys you see regularly for the Pelicans. And as you look at it right now, 13 guys are regularly getting minutes for this team. That's not going to happen as we get. So in narrowing that, part of that is deciding that you can't experiment with certain guys. And where are the two holes on this team? What holes do we see? To me, you know, it's always going to be, I'm harping on that, that, that front court rim protection, because if you can't play Billy or you won't play Billy and you can't play Jax and you're relying on Jonas and we know in the postseason that the pick and roll is where he's going to struggle the most and teams are going to put him in that situation. And we also know the Pelicans struggle with getting him the ball to make offset the offensive times that, you know, off, give him the offensive ability to offset what the other team is doing. To me, it's you've got to find someone up front who can make a difference defensively. That has to happen because with Larry's injury as well, I want to protect Larry Nance at all costs. If I'm the Pelicans, I need him available for 25 to 28 minutes a game in the playoffs. I can't have him getting beat up playing center right now. Can we just extend Larry Nance for like his lifetime? Larry and Najee Marshall are earning like that kind of benefit of the doubt. Like legitimately, like with what he did with the Edna Carr high school band and everything like, I know he just signed an extension. I don't care. Extend the extension, like again. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you, Grub. They they need to find a way. They only have because Zion doesn't play like a big. He's not a huge rebounder. He plays with the ball in his hands a lot. He doesn't. He I mean, he's not a traditional rim protector. Um, he doesn't. But he's do gotten better. Things. Let's let's say that he his rebound. Oh no, I'm not saying he's, he's not better been at a, blocking shots, but he's not a rim protector. That's, no, no, no. You know I know. I just like, wanted. Yeah. You know, people will get on us if we don't. You know, check off the fact that he has some improvement. That's all. Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> no, yeah, I, mean, I I think he's made fantastic improvements defensively, especially yes. like the last month or so. Like he is, he has grown substantially on the defensive end. But mm-hmm. I'm saying like the 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 space that he occupies as a basketball player isn't a big, like he gets to the paint, but he doesn't live there. Like he starts outside and he gets to the paint. Like SGA starts outside and he gets into the paint offensively. Um, So like the only two guys, the three of us trust to log minutes as bigs right now are Jonas Valanciunas and Larry Nance. And that's asking a lot from both of them. Yeah. Um so um the 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 franchise clearly doesn't like th- they'll give Willie those minutes when there's no other option and then they continue to give these minutes to Jackson Hayes in in the hopes of development in the hopes of increasing trade value in like we just owe it to him cuz he's been in the system for 4 years I don't know. Um but they need a guy that they can throw out there that, you know, isn't Larry Nance that comes off the bench. Cause we saw, um, which game was it? It was the Rockets game. So, I mean, it's the Rockets, but Larry Nance played a lot of power forward in that game beside Jonas. And he posted a plus 30 in like 26 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he can do that. And that's a way that, depending on the matchup, you can save Larry and not beat him up throughout the season so that he can, you know, be fresh when it matters, when you are going to play him a lot of center and you are going to, you know, play small in the playoffs. But you, you need to get fresh bodies there. And the best way to do that is you have still three, at least three guys sitting there towards the end of the bench who sometimes play, sometimes don't play in Jackson, Kyra, um, Garrett Temple, Willie Hernan Gomez. Like that's, that's a lot of slots to put, put with guys that you're just like, we don't really trust these guys because none of those guys have trust at this point. Um, And so I mean, I'm just when we do the trade, the trade thing. I'll, obviously, we're going to talk about the same guys we have been talking about. But they, the t- the team would be in a much better place if they had another big that they could bring in off the bench to give spot minutes for Jonas, spot minutes for Larry, get Larry to play sometimes at the power forward, um, in, in a way that like is fundamentally different than even what Jackson would give you like in the best scenario, what Jackson gives you like in the best scenario, he still needs to play power forward. He's still not much of a rebounder. He's just a weak side shot blocker. He's not a rim protector. He's not even really um, a good weak side shot blocker. Like he has more fouls and yeah. turnovers in his career than block shots. Yeah. And I mean, a, a lot of the time, honestly, he's coming from the weak side and he's chasing a shot block and a highlight. And you're like, if you would have just done your job, we could have got the rebound. But you chased the block shot, and now there's nobody on the weak side, and they're putting it back in the hoop. Who was that on the Celtics last night, Ollie, that pump faked him off the screen? Oh, yeah. Like, they pumped, and Jackson jumped, and I didn't see him again for about five seconds. Yeah, and you know what? He did that against James Harden, right? Somebody that you know never to fall for a pump fake, and that pissed me off against the uh, Philly game. So you just remind me of that. Especially when you're 7-1. Right, so I can't remember who it was last night, but the play that stands out for me from Jackson last night, guys, was CJ tossed it to him in the left corner, and he immediately puts his head down, even though he's open for the three-point shot, and you're, you're taught to shoot that, right, with today's offenses, but he just decided to drive it. Ran right in, well, kind of glanced off of CJ, who was going out of bounds. His, his uh, momentum was taken there, and he just bumped into a uh, Celtic, tried to turn around and pass, and CJ staying out of bounds. I mean, it's just an ugly-looking turnover, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I hope listeners are getting from us, that there's these just mind-numbing plays that Jackson still makes that shouldn't be happening out there on the court. Can we talk positive, like, yeah, considering yeah. how good the Pelicans are? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Can we talk about yeah. Dyson, this, this please? Just we, you know, talk about but, Dyson. Dyson yeah. and Trey. We we also need to talk about Trey some, but we can start with Dyson. Let's start with Dyson. And the, the thing with Dyson, um, you know, obviously I, I continue to tout the fact that, you know, I love I've loved him from the start, but um he has he has embraced the situation that he's been placed in. I do think this is the one thing I'll say about Dyson, and it's not a negative. The one thing I think about Dyson is he's been put in a situation that's very awkward for him because I think he can be more aggressive. I think he could finish better. I think he could take more shots, but I think he's he, right now he's still mentally in the stage where he's trying to make sure the other guys get theirs. And you see the difference between him and Jose in that regard is that they're, and I, I kind of wish they would merge brains a little bit 
where Jose took a few fewer shots and Dyson took a couple more every now and then. But like, other than that, Dyson's maturity, his ability defensively, his embracing of his role and his contributions that, like you said, are about the team and keep things moving. He's generally a positive when he's on the floor, even if the numbers don't always look as clean as you might like. I don't. I think Dyson has been everything that you could have asked for him in this situation. They literally they rolled him. They 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 checked him in and they said go go guard Kevin Durant. Like that's obscene. Like that's like he's 19 years old, man. That's almost child abuse, man. Go go guard Kevin Durant. And you know what he did? He went out there and he did his freaking job. He stayed in front. He challenged shots. Yeah, Kevin Durant makes shots over you. He makes shots over everybody. Your job is to make it as hard as you can and then, like, the chips fall where they may. He does that. The biggest thing, I'm going to continue to harp on it. If the Pelicans want to play small, they have to play Dyson because he freaking rebounds. Yes. You need need rebound production from the guards. Yes. The biggest biggest thing of why I keep on harping on the fact that he should take legitimately every single minute that Devontae Graham ever plays is the defense is going to get better because Dyson's going to get rebounds and we need to finish possessions. And that's one of the biggest struggles it feels like that happens yes. when they go with those small lineups with CJ and Devontae or Jose. The turnovers and pick up quickly because, um, you, like you said, they are so small that you look, Jose is one, you know, 1.3 turnovers a game lately. Jose is not supposed to be turning the ball over, you know. Uh, it, it, I, I think, think Fish like is spot on because I remember when they had that four-game losing streak, right? Wasn't it four games after winning seven? That What did they do? They gave up so many extra shots per yep. possessions, right? The offensive rebounds, the second-chance points. So I'm completely with Fish on this one. Even though I, I have to admit, I, I need to mention this about Dyson. I have noticed him starting to hesitate offensively. I think he's a little bit in his own head right now because yes. the, shot, the shots aren't going in. You can see it, right, on drives. He's going off the wrong leg, not taking the right angles. He's still he's, making the open shots, but his decision-making isn't as sharp as it was. He's playing freely. Let's call it that the first six weeks or so. But since then, it's been just a little bit of a hiccup. But it's not enough, as, as Fish said, to where he shouldn't be in the rotation, especially over, say, somebody like Devontae, because of what he's going to do for you everywhere else. Well, that's one of the things that I would say is it's a little bit a product of his situation because it yeah. doesn't feel like Dyson's minutes – are earned at this point. Like he can't go out there and play and make mistakes and know that he's going to continue to be able to stay in the game and play through them. And so a lot of the offensive hesitancy that I see is the fact that he feels like he needs to be perfect so that he can stay out there on the floor. And that's he does all the rest of stuff. He's got to let that. And, and, uh, but uh, again, that's, if that's the complaint about a rookie, again, he's 19 years old. If that's the complaint about the rookie, then, hey, again, I, I'm not asking for anything more out of him than what we've gotten because this position that he was supposed to be in was, if we need you, you'll play. And that's the, he was supposed to be a luxury. And he has earned, I think, you know, like you said, with just on the strength of his defense alone and the necessity of his rebounding, the necessity of his rebounding, you know, we've seen him have almost double-digit rebound games. It the guards, as you said, because teams will take the bigs away from the bucket. They will bring Najee when he's playing the four. They will pull him away from the bucket. They will take Zion away from the bucket. 
So your guards have to be effective rebounders. CJ's giving you about four, but outside yeah, of that, it's got to be Dyson. Yeah, I mean, Dyson's rebound rate, defensive rebound rate, is between Zion's and Brandon Ingram for the season, like 16%. Like, that's that's small forward-esque mm-hmm. um, numbers that you're getting from him. But he's shown that, like, he can initiate the offense. He, he, I mean, he can he, he has run confident-looking pick-and-rolls far beyond what you are expecting from 19-year-olds. Um, and then... I mean, we cannot rave enough about what he does defensively. Beating guys to spots. Um, he had, I mean, he's got rooked a little bit lately on the foul calls, um, but it feels like he's still like really smart with his hands. He's not mm-hmm. getting a whole lot of cheap fouls. He gets, uh, for as many fouls as he's picking up, the amount of deflections and changes of shots that he's creating as a 19 year old is ridiculous. Um, and then, and then there's the matchup difficulty. Like he, there are no possessions where they put Dyson out there and it's just like, Hey, you're going to, you know, guard like the third or the fourth worst option. Like if he's in the game unless Herb is also in the game, he is guarding the number one option. Like they, they, they just put that on his plate as a 19 year old. And he has at no point has it felt like, Oh, he's just food out there. Like, yeah, Devin Booker, like went absolutely nuts. But it wasn't because he was getting open shots. It was because he was hitting contested ones. And that happens in the NBA. Yep. But just what like you Jordan. want is you just want the good contest. Like the good contest is the defense. The result of the ball going in or not is just freaking chance. Chances. Yeah, prob- yeah, it's probability. <laughs> You're trying to affect chance as best you can. You're just trying to change right. the odds slightly in your favor. And yeah, like you Doesn't said, that- I mean. But Dyson ain't fouling. Like, he's averaging under two fouls a game. No, I think he's gotten a lot of good calls. Like, and I should say non-calls, right? Yeah. Compared I to, think, say, Herb, I think Dyson actually, for some reason, has a lot more respect. You know why? Because I would say this. Dyson plays less with his hands than Herb does. Yes. And I would Plus, say he doesn't get into – he see, Herb climbs into the body of people. Yeah. Dyson lets the, defend, or the offensive player get into him, right, Dyson where he meets him. physically – stronger than her that Jones. too yes that too dyson mm-hmm. is built like a grown-up already and that is herb is wiry dyson is already like you see he can get into his stance and absorb contact without core moving. strength man and they've had so to much tell core him, strength you see they've had to tell him at times dude if you're going to take the charge you got to relax because he's <laughs> yeah, so strong right, right exactly yeah <laughs> So, I, I mean, I think Dyson, defensively, that was what we knew. And it's the same thing why we were, like, last year raving about getting her in the starting lineup. It's because you know that with a team full of scorers, if you have the guy who's willing to do the other stuff and then defend at a high level, that's going to get you in transition. And that's when the Pelicans are at their very best, when they are defending the ball well. When they go on runs, it's because they're getting those deflections. And like you said, Dyson is right there getting those deflections, creating those opportunities. It's like, and I, I'm, I'm with you, Ollie. He just needs to get out of his head a little bit because mm-hmm. there are times he turns the corner on the pick and roll. And it's like, dunk that, mm-hmm. dunk that. You can do it. And he's looking to pass. And it's like, no, look at the rim. But I, Earlier in the year, he was grabbing rebounds and pushing it and literally taking it into the lane and either scoring or making a play. Now he's making a pass as soon as he crosses half court. 
Yep. See, it's stuff like that that I've noticed, and I don't know whether it's a coach's, whether it's in his I think own it's a head, which thing. I think is it's yeah. it. Yeah. But, hey, I'm glad he's still getting playing time because Trey didn't get to play through this last year. No, but he did fortunately, not. Fortunately, he made it to the other end before the end of the season. I think Dyson will be fine. I think something's going to click for him. Speaking of both dunks and Trey, dude, man, <laughs> just dunking on everybody. I love it. Like, just absolute just murderer mentality. Like, if he sees somebody in the lane, he is trying to dunk it on them. He's not trying to be cute. He's not trying to, you know, he's not trying to draw a foul. He's not trying to go around him to get the layup. He's like, no, I'm going to dunk it on this dude's head. Whoever's there, I'm going to dunk it on him. Um, he's not afraid to dunk on his own teammates. He'll dunk on everybody. Like, if you're in there, he's going to dunk on you. Um, like that, that, that catch off the, the miss yesterday that was sick. That, that just, Where he came running from the baseline? Yes, and, and he put yeah. both hands up. And yep, you're like, is yep. he going to two-hand this? And he caught it with the one and used the other one just to balance himself without using the rim. Oh, and wait, are like, you talking about the lob or the put-back two-hand dunk? The put-back two-hand. Okay. Because yeah. it was so weird. Like, it, you're like, it, this was, this was, it looked weird at first. And you're like, oh, my God, when you realize how athletic it was. I was more impressed by the lob. He caught that with one hand, centered it, and he's already, like, almost behind the backboard and still threw it down. It, I don't know his his timing with that athleticism of how high it gets. You don't see that most I, most most teams don't have even a, a guy that can do that. No, so. and that's again he's 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 like the uh, prime athletic like Robert when Robert Ori at six ten you know was so athletic. Yes. One dribble take you to a dunk. Remember on when he came out of Alabama? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that quality in his game, and I think Antonio Daniel said this during the broadcast, and I agree with him. It's you're still waiting for Trey to be a little bit more selfish because, like you said, he's on the scouting report now, and teams know that he can shoot it from seven feet beyond the arc. So they're pushing him further and further back. He doesn't have to be that far back. He's got to find. I think you know the two things for 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 him the, the second half of the season. I'd like to see him improve on. Again, it's not bad, but it's it's that the simple slide. Of once you've let go of of let go of the ball of just that relocation of getting a better shot from three instead of moving back, I'd like to see him move side to side, and then it's be okay with driving to the bucket and knowing when to stop and when to dunk. Like he has to be okay with with making that decision to be selfish because I think when he's a starter, there's no excuse for him not getting double digit shot attempts on those nights, and we've seen him have nights where he gets eight or fewer shot attempts and he's getting 26, 28, 30 minutes in a game that, that he can't allow that to happen. He's too. No. And it happens every damn night. I thought when Zion went out, I thought we'd be seeing him having on an average 14, 15 shot attempts a game. He'd walk into it. It hasn't happened. Averaging eight shot attempts. And you're right. He's waiting for catch and shoots. And he even said this last night in uh, the post game where he's got to find and, and be a little bit more selfish, but he's, what he's got to do is he's got to make those shots happen. So whether it's running off a screen or with a dribble, do some pull-ups, right? Because mm-hmm. CJ even said that he's got to look more for even just the pull-ups because he can make them. He can and elevate over he... his man. Just exactly. shoot, man. Just shoot, man. That, that should be great. I mean, the, biggest, the biggest thing is, is like, man, if, if, if you're open enough, <clears throat> just shoot. Shoot over people. Shoot challenge shots. Like, I mean, like if it's like a soft contest sometimes, He's too hesitant to. Oh, I can I can take this guy off the dribble. No, just shoot it, man. You're out there yeah. to shoot. Just shoot it. Just let Look it at fly. This. Trey 
<laughs> Trey and Najee average the same amount of minutes, right? Essentially. There's like yeah. maybe a, a few seconds difference between them on a nightly basis. But Najee's getting up three more shots a game. Najee's yeah. getting up the same and, and, amount and of And since threes. Zion's been out, Grub, it's been five more shots a game. Close right. to six, actually. Close to six. So, you know, but I mean, I'm just saying like on the season, but yeah, even that shows you though, even with Najee increasing his, his issue, Trey's not increasing his. I know. Like I said, that's, it has shocked me. It's, it's really that, shocked That's me. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It just let it fly, man. That's all. Like, look, you are out there to shoot. We trust you to shoot. And I'm sure the team and the assistant coaches and everybody are telling him. And like, I love the fact that he's worked on his, you know, dribble drive game a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's increased. It's, um, there's, there's a little bit more craft there. There's a lot, there's a long way to go. Um, but at the end of the day, man, the team and everybody trusts you. Like when the ball swings to Trey in the Smoothie King Center and he's open enough that he's going to shoot it, the entire arena expects that it will go in. Everybody. Right. The fans. So, opposing, so do are opposing the, teams, I think. Opponent, uh, the opponent, the refs, the scorekeeper, like everybody expects it to go in. So just shoot it, man. And here's right. the other thing. Jose is getting the same amount of three-point attempts as Trey. And yeah, Jose, Jose's been gunning him. Jose's, Jose's been shooting gunning 26% from three lately, and he's still jacking. That, that, I mean, it's like the, the, well, he's Trey's got to take those shots. Yeah, he's but you know what? I don't, I, I don't have any problem because when I see Jose taking a three, he's taking it in rhythm and it's open yeah. and it's a shot he I has agree. to take. And if you have been shooting poorly, then it's it, it's going to turn around for you. You're doing the work in the gym. Just take the shot. And that's what I need Trey to apply. Well, here's the saying, thing with Trey. Like let me get this, yeah, let me mention this real quick. Trey is not even averaging a turnover a game. He wasn't at the start of the year. He hasn't lately. Mm-hmm. So that should tell you, I'm not worried at all about whatever he decides to do. And more importantly, if you guys notice on drives, it's not always clean, whether it's going up with the ball, catching it, mm-hmm. whatever, but somehow that ball always goes through the rim, right? He, his touch and his ability to adjust on the fly and just getting oh, the enough. putback he had. Yeah, the but not even the putback. Go. I've seen some floaters, right, where it's not clean, right? Yeah. But it's, the ball still goes through the hoop, right? He's had some runners with bank shots. And they go in. You absolutely, as fish says, keep shooting. Just shoot. You're not going to turn it over. More than likely, it's going to go in. Yeah, it's just he needs to be aggressive because, I mean, even his rebounding numbers have been down lately. And Trey's a guy that at the beginning of the year when he was getting those BI minutes, you were counting on him to pull out six, seven boards. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't he averaging like six, right? Yeah, Yeah, he was pulling six, seven rebounds a night. And there were, you know, remember he was threatening the double-double mark a few times. He was getting some really good defensive rebounds. You just don't Mm -hmm. see that anymore either, unfortunately. So that's... That to me is, you know, when I talk about the defense, it's I hope that they use the rest of the stretch of January. And I want to transition to that so, so we don't go on forever. But this month of January, there are 10 games left. And you look at the schedule, and if they go five and five based on, you know, health, I think that that's, you know, most of these games are on the road. These are some very good teams, a lot of playoff teams. And we're talking about a team that may not get Zion and BI back until. I, again, I believe that homestand January 24th, where you get the three-game stretch at home, that's the evaluation date target for Zion, and that's the eight That's eight weeks post-injury for, for B.I. If that's when they come back and you finish the rest of these 10 games at 5-5, five and five, I think that's a solid into a month that schedule-wise ultimately should prove to be the most difficult month of the season. 
Oh, I think B.I. is going to be back. I, I mean, I know we've been saying it weekly now, but it really sounds like he's going to be back either Monday or Wednesday, right? So Cleveland or Miami at home. I, I'm, I think he comes back at home. I don't think they yeah. bring him back on the yeah. – Pelicans are not known for being having your first game back be on the road in case something goes AWOL. I mean, you know, great. Yeah, but as far as Zion, I want to get this out. I don't know, Grub. I, I think that three-week is more going to be just imaging and, okay, let's now adjust the next timeline. Oh, yeah, it's a hamstring. conditioning. Yeah, it's a hamstring. And it's I a think it's guy. I mean, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I think it might be close to 50-50 for me on whether we see him again before the All-Star break. But that's just me. That wouldn't surprise me because it's a hamstring. It's a hamstring. It's the way they've always handled him, right? And you've got to have him for the stretch run. So why not be extra careful? You're already in third. And if you get B.I. back and they get back on their feet, right, in terms of winning more than losing, then why rush it, right? Why push it? To me, the goal remains hold on to top four. Yes. Because everything after top, it's you need to secure round one at home. You do not want to have to play any games in round one on the road because I think the Pelicans have the potential of sweeping a first-round opponent. They have that oh, potential. The Smoothie King Center is going to literally be a freaking rocket. Ship, yes. Man. So I believe they can, <laughs> they can sweep a first-round opponent. Once you get into the second round, and if you're, again, you're in the top four, there's the potential, and we've seen this in the West, of one of those other three seeds getting knocked out. Exactly, and, the and then you have home court in the second round. Home court in the second round. And if that's the case, and you get to the third round, and the matchup is Denver or Memphis, I think that's a seven-game series. That's a toss-up, yep. you know, for either one of those opponents. Everybody else, the Clippers, everybody, they are flawed enough that if the Pelicans are healthy, I would give them the advantage. So to me, this is I, – I, and we'll get into this in the trade thing, but I think you guys uh, – the way the NBA is set up today and the fact that this, the, as wide open as the West is, and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, I, we talked about this was going to be a Western conference that from top to bottom, there are only two teams that are really out of it. And the Eastern conference that five or six teams, this is going to be a seller's market, not a buyer's market at the trade deadline. The Pelicans are one of the few teams that have attractive assets and draft picks to make a move. If they make the right move, we, you know, I think they can go all in at the poker table and make a push and potentially get to an NBA finals and possibly win a championship. And I don't think that's hyperbole. And I'm because I'm not a person who's going to go out on a limb like that. If I don't really think it, but I think the way the West is now the right move and the right health, the Pelicans could be in the finals. I everything is about the health, but go ahead, fish. I, I mean, I agree, but I think, the front office is probably more likely to say, let's stay cautious and let's try to just get healthy to the playoffs. Not to say that they're not going to make any moves, but I don't think they're going to make a big move. No, uh, like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm not talking about a big move. No, you're right talking move. about the right move. The yeah. right move. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I, I, I said it probably, what, like three weeks ago in the chat. I said, my expectations now are home court in the first round and getting to the second round. And then from there, it's health and matchups. And health and matchups can dictate, hey, you know, they get to the second round and they get ate up by somebody because, you know, it's the Clippers and they're healthy and they're rolling and Ty Lue is a really freaking good coach. Or you get the Warriors in the second round or something like that. Like, that could happen. Um, But you could also get a situation where you get Dallas and you're just like, well, yeah, that's long, a- we have if, if you get Dallas in the second round and you're just like, look at all the freaking bodies I can throw at Luka. And I'm just going to make everybody else beat me. Here's some Herb Jones for you. Here's some Dyson Daniels for you. Here's some Najee Marshall for you. 
oh, Brandon Ingram, it's the freaking playoffs and he's healthy. Guess what? He's locked in defensively right now because he under like he's that dude. He's already shown us in the playoffs. Like he is that man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't wait and, to see him get back. <laughs> and, and and like Dallas, like you look up and down Dallas's roster right now, and you think of Dallas's roster against a healthy Pelicans roster. Yeah. Like Luca's Luke gonna, is have, gonna to, have to go 60, 20, and 10 to give him a chance. Like, like you are going to tax the hell out of Luca. Because yeah, but Luca's going to get to so the free throw line at least twenty times. I feel yeah, like, but like, like I'm saying, like the Pelicans have so many bodies yeah. to throw at a team that just has like one guy. Twelve fouls you know? from Herbin Dyson. Yeah, yeah, like, and not just twelve fouls. Like yeah. it, like every single second, we can be completely and totally up in your freaking kitchen the whole time. Like we are, there will be, there will be no possessions off for you. Every single time you bring up the court, it is going to be a bad time. It is going to be hard. They just need to the Pelicans can that, do though. that. They need to reestablish that mentality. That's that's the yeah. one thing is get back to if they're playing like that. If they're playing like the team where, during that the, the the stretch where they were winning fifteen out of eighteen, you know, like they play like that team, yeah, defensively, or like yeah. even when you see those stretches, there's still stretches right now when they're in, inconsistent. There are five, six-minute stretches defensively where you you are looking at the deaf lineup. You know what I mean? Like the same type of production where it's every possession is a steal, a dunk, a right. three, a right. free throw. It's just – it's and then it's Willie turning in another wave and sending three more guys in, and they extend it. Boom, boom. Yep. And the Pelicans can do that for six, seven straight minutes. There mm-hmm. are very few teams in the NBA who are capable of putting together team runs. There are players who can do it. The Kevin Durant can do that. LeBron James can do that. The Pelicans as a team can go on a 20 to nothing run in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But speaking of runs and guys, individuals yes. who can make a run, dude, before Z, before Zion went down to that, with that injury, what he was putting on the court for like the last like four or five weeks was MVP level play. Yep. On both ends. Like every single time it like in games, when it came down to crunch time, not only was Z like the whole offense is running through Z. Um, and the thing is, is that like, he's dribbling it up, but he's not pounding the air out of the ball and he's making the right pass and he's setting up his guys. But it's not just that. Zion Williamson on defense in the fourth quarter, when stuff matters was a freaking destroyer. Yep. <laughs> Steals, deflections, block shots. Like, like he might only have two steals and a block in the game, but they all seem to happen in the last six minutes of the game to put, you know, the Raptors away, to put the Timberwolves away. Just freaking taking the game and being like, it's mine. We're winning. You can't stop me. You, yeah, you're that- going to double me with Siakam and OG. And Inobi, that- guess what? Yeah. I'm still dunking at the rim. What yeah, are you going to do about it? Zion getting to that place, and, and let's hope he's still there when he comes back. You know, that I, I, it, it, it's, a, it's something that, you know, we've had so many NBA players talk about this, is that the two things that make NBA players, the difference between, all, like we talk, all, all-star and all-NBA, the difference between that or just a, being a rotation guy, it's confidence and consistency. And for Zion... I think both of those were shaken, you know, obviously by the injuries, 
his confidence in who he was as a player because he didn't know if he was going to be able to do those things, his confidence in his role within the organization and his teammates. And it took a while for it to establish that. Um, the Phoenix game. And, and, and it'll take him time when he gets back, too. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, but after COVID, he wasn't that same MVP guy on both ends of the court as he was before getting COVID. He but only think, had one steal, one block, and four games total after mm-hmm. coming back from COVID. But uh, I think what I'm saying mentally, Ollie, is that the difference for Zion, and, and it, we'll see what the production looks like, but like, like I think what Fish pointed out is that he took ownership of the conclusion of the game. The outcome of the game was up to him. And yes. we've, yep. we've, we've, and, and that goes back on CJ too. And we have to, that brings it back. Cause we've had CJ, we, we've had players mention that CJ in those moments has gone to Zion and said, okay, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do now? You're the guy go do it. And in other cases you might say, well, why is CJ telling that to this guy? Why doesn't CJ do it? Because CJ knows that the he future the of this organization picture. is in Zion Williamson's hands. And he's got to push that, so however he gets that out to say, is this yours? Do you want it? And right now Zion is saying, yes, I want it. And if that's the guy the Pelicans can have for 65 games a year, because I don't think he'll ever play 82. I don't think anybody in the NBA is ever going to play 82 season. No, no. There was five guys that played 82 games last year, man. And four of them were role players. <laughs> so if, if we know Zion's going to be a 65 game a year guy, and we know that B.I. is probably going to be a 65 game a year guy then if I'm going to get that for 65 games and shit, yeah, I'm not worried. Yeah. Now, but, hey, I real mean, quick, before which, we which finish. It, which game was it um, that um, CJ had the quote? Was it the Minnesota game? Where Minnesota, like, yeah. yeah. We were run a really, really comp- complicated offense, give it to Z and get the fuck out the way, man. Yep. Like, but the thing is that, you know, at some point in one of those huddles, CJ is sitting there in his ear and be like, look, man, I'm going to spot up, but go fucking, go fucking win the game. You're that dude. And the thing, and we haven't seen B.I. since freaking Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. But we've seen Brandon Ingram in the playoffs be like, I am also that dude. Yeah. And, that's, and he was even that dude before the playoffs. And, I mean, we haven't talked a whole lot about what Brandon Ingram did put on the floor. But if you, I mean, if you think back to what he was doing, like the three-point shot was back and it was freaking just yeah it's not just that it's not just a catch and shoot it's the pull-ups man the confidence he's got to shoot those pull-ups late in games now and yeah like he's been working through this toe issue and stuff like that but you know what he has been doing for the past like six weeks yeah yep i've seen it in practice he is yep um and everything like so like brandon ingram i mean they have they have really annoying injuries a toe, a big toe, and a hamstring. Like, those are injuries that take longer than it ever sounds like it should to get mm-hmm. right. Um, and you have to take time. But the Pelicans, up to this point, have been able to give Brandon Ingram the time because they've been, you know, exceeding expectations, giving the injuries. Um, and assuming, you know, that they can tread water, for like the rest of January and then Brandon Ingram is back because they've been able to give him the time to get all the way back and healthy and not push it. And then you have re-injuries and stuff like that. Um, Then you can have Brandon Ingram, his time up until like the all-star break ish. And then the schedule after the all-star break is a lot of bad teams and bad teams that are going to want to tank. 
You well, don't want to play the bad teams. You don't, bad teams you are don't always mentally play, checked out. You don't want to play break. the bad teams at the beginning of the season because, like, there's hope. And, like, weird stuff happens and upsets happen. The Pelicans are getting like the Rockets, I think, twice. I don't like, and they, I don't, I don't like do it. I always worry when we start doing the schedule thing because we've done that for like three years. At the end of the schedule, this part was going to be soft, <laughs> and it never. Look, here's up the thing: way. all they need to do is they need to do what they did on the first half, on the second half, win stay 50 games, five hundred, stay away from five hundred on the road, and keep winning at home. Yeah. Yep. Hey, real quick, I want to get to one last topic, guys, and it's yep. about the All Star Game because uh, I want to get your thoughts on it. Should Question number one, should Zion Williamson be selected as an all-star if he's not uh, voted in by um, the fans and such? And two, should CJ be an all-star whether Zion makes it or not? Greb, you want to go first? I'll say this. Um, I think Zion has earned the right to be named an all-star. Now, I, I don't think he'll play in the game. I think the Pelicans will ask him not to play. Even if he, um, if, if he's a starter, you think? I don't think he, well, if he's voted a starter, I feel, I still think if the hamstring is not at a hundred percent, if they just like started bledding and play. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if he's not, it, it, I think the Pelicans are going to say like, dude, you, you can't play. They're going to tell him that. Or if he does play, he'll, it'll be a cameo appearance. Um, but that seems if, more likely. I can't I, see I, them I telling him not to, to play. <laughs> I, I think he'd want to, but I mean, again, the question is for Zion too. And Zion has said this, he's re- he'd rather win a championship than an all-star game. So if the choice is, dude, get a couple days of rest on your hammy, because if you go to up there, they're going to be asking you to do shit. They're going to be asking you to dunk. They're going to be asking you to do all this stuff. And, and being a, the, the people pleaser that, you know, not in a negative way, but then mm-hmm. you do something and next thing you know, you tweaked it. And, uh, but I think CJ, I think CJ has earned it. I don't think it should be because if Zion doesn't make it or not, I think CJ has earned it because he's kept a team afloat. When Zion and BI have been gone, this dude has had to keep this team afloat and he stepped up his game when he had to. And I think that that to me has earned it. There are guys with numbers, but to me it's numbers plus impact. And Mm -hmm. CJ has been as impactful as any guard over the last 20 games in particular in the NBA in the Western, or at least in the Western conference. But like you said, he's shooting better than 50% from three as of late. He's, he's doing the things that an all-star is supposed to do. He's not just putting up numbers. He's impacting winning. And I think that to me, whether CJ, whether Zion makes it or not, I think CJ's earned his spot fish. I, I completely agree. So Zion should be, um, I think the formula is like the fan votes, like 50% of the vote. So it would be if Zion gets voted over um, Anthony Davis, essentially, it's, by yeah, the media. It's AD, Jokic, and LeBron are going to probably be the top three, you know, in that. Yeah, he's real and close so to I, AD right now. So I, I assume um, with the fan and the media, and I think the coaches have a vote too, or the players. No, it's no, fan it's media players. 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 Um, that Jokic and LeBron are going to be two of them. So the third starter, is it going to be Anthony Davis? Are we going to have two starters on a team that's like hoping to battle into the play-in? They're sub 500 right now. (laughs) Or are we going to give a starting spot to Zion, who over that, especially that like 18-game stretch when the Pelicans went 15-3, and 
wasn't just playing like a, you know, a top 10 player in the NBA, was playing like a legitimate MVP candidate that's like a top five player in the NBA, not in the West, in the entire NBA. So I think he should be selected a starter. I don't think he will because the, I think the fan votes like 50% of the formula. And so he would really have to wipe the floor with Anthony yeah, LA just LA, LA just has the votes. And if Zion's not playing, he's not going to get as many votes. Exactly. Um, but then CJ should absolutely be selected as reserve. Like, what are we doing if what we if you're watching CJ McCollum play basketball and you think that that's not an all star, then you should probably watch a whole lot more basketball first, um, probably with somebody to sit there and, and teach you what's going on, because CJ McCollum has been an all star. Um, He's been essentially the number two option almost all season because, like you said, like the big three have only played 10 games together on a team that's third in the West, despite the fact that, you know, the his two his two co-stars have been in and out of the lineup. Um, and he's just been fantastic. I, I, I don't like he was cold shooting in the beginning, but he was still impacting winning. And now in the past, you know, after he got back from COVID and got his legs underneath him, he's been just a flamethrower all over the floor and just given everybody all of the buckets they want. So both of them should be all-stars. Brandon Ingram, honestly, if Brandon Ingram would have continued to play as well as he was playing, it would probably have diminished CJ's um, oh, case. Oh, totally, for sure. Brandon, yeah. is, Brandon the case. But the only thing is, is that Brandon's only played, you know, like 15 games. So he's not going to be an all-star. The 15 games he put on the floor were of all-star caliber. It's just a matter of the fact that, like, by the time they select all-stars, they're going to have 50 games played, and you only have 15. And oh, statistically, so- it would have been hard for B.I. to make it because he was averaging yeah. under 20 when he went, like, in those, 20, in those games. That's what makes it yeah, hard. But it, was, it was ridiculously efficient. and like yeah, he you, just- you know what I'm saying. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. they're not going to put in a small forward, and all-star game was averaging 18. That's just – you know what I mean? Like, like you and I – quality – there's no debate, but yes. you know how the how the All Star game works. If somebody looks yeah. up and sees that, they're gonna like, no, there's no way the 18 point per game guy goes when this guy's over here averaging 27. No. So, but I, I just want to be very clear that like what I felt of um of of uh, what Brandon Ingram was p- putting mm-hmm. on the floor was that was All Star quality play. Maybe not like volume because he had other good players around him. But mm-hmm. why are we holding that against him? I think that's that, that's that's how the NBA works. But I think it's dumb. I'll yep, you guys answered that very well because uh, what promoted me to ask that was uh, John Hollinger put out an article on the Athletic with Josh Robbins. They picked their all stars, and I am not happy with their selections one bit, or the ones that they said were the first three out and the next three after that. So they had for starters. Um, let me pull this up real quick. Okay, so three of the five, not even on winning teams. You got Jokic, Anthony Davis, LeBron, and then Steph Curry and Doncic in the backcourt. And then their five reserves, Shea, not on a winning team, Laurie Markinen, not on a winning team, John Morant, Sabonis, and Zion. Last next to last man in, Devin Booker. Last man in, Aaron Gordon. First three out. What? Right. Let, let me finish. Right. First three out. Paul George, De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard. Next three out. Jaron Jackson, Christian Wood, Jeremiah Grant. They what? don't even mention. 
They don't even mention CJ, but they mention all these guys Christian on losing Wood? teams. Yeah, I don't like it. So I'm glad you guys gave the responses. Dude, today, man, <laughs> I don't need to hear anything John Hollinger has to say about the Pelicans. He can go give Chandler Parsons another maximum contract with no need. I don't need I don't need his opinion in my life. You pick two trailblazers. You pick Christian Wood, who's known not to be a guy. Oh my God. Ugh. Anyways, Aaron Gordon is a starter. I love what he does for them, but he's no CJ. He's not carrying the team. So Aaron Gordon nope. has such a small role. He just has to, he doesn't have to be a star on any night. Nope. Aaron Gordon never has to be offensively, a star. yeah. Yeah, he's a role player offensively. We're, we're, but... we're putting the fourth best player. On the Denver Nuggets in the All-Star game because, what, he does some defense? Um, and then he cuts off the weak side and Jokic feeds him, like, wide-open dunks? What are yeah, we doing Yeah, he's a very here, good man? defender. There's no doubt. He's, but he's, but he's, shooting, like, he's not a good defender. I'm just saying, like, Aaron you really Gordon think I picked... do? I'm going to say this. If Aaron Gordon is picked as a reserve, it'll be the most egregious All-Star inclusion since A.C. <laughs> Green was voted a starter. In 1989, it'll be that bad. AC Green got voted a starter in 1989 at a Western Conference, and AC was averaging like seven points and six boards, but he was playing for the Lakers, and that's when it was all fan vote. And at least then you could excuse it as ballot stuffing. But if Aaron Gordon makes it, then that's just bad decision making. That's ridiculous, man. Like, you can't say, oh, because the Nuggets are so freaking good. When the Nuggets have had like extremely two and a half health. games ahead of the Pelicans, they're two and a half games ahead of the Pelicans who have no no All Stars. But you're going to tell me that the team that has like one of the like top three MVP candidates also has a second All Star, and he's not even like their second or third best player? That's ridiculous. Ollie, why did you do this to me? Now you got me all ramped up. See? <laughs> because it riled me up so much this morning that I, I, I'm going to probably write something on it. But yeah, that's stupid. I to that is it. stupid. That it's, is stupid. It should not be a consolation prize for CJ McCollum. Like this, I think he's earned it this season as an All Star. Exactly. And he's never yeah. been selected yet. Like that. That's. I mean, that's a. I mean, I don't, I don't care if it's a lifetime yet. achievement. I think he's earned it. Like regardless of circumstance, the dude's yes. earned it this year. And I say that he's an All Star this year. As a basketball person, I looked. At, I looked at the Western Conference. I looked at the guards, and you saw it. We, I tweeted it yesterday. Where he's been sitting amongst guards, considering his responsibility, like it's no surprise. John Morant's got more numbers than CJ, but CJ's right there. Like CJ's right there. The last six games, in particular, like he he's got what six thirty-point games in his last fifteen games. Yeah, like CJ's doing all. the He's getting, and when he's not getting 30, he's putting up 28. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's consistency and it's efficiency on a team that it's desperately needed. And it, it, without CJ right now, what are the Pelicans? Oh, yeah, Ooh. cooked. There's, yeah. there's, there's a, like, I really love the depth of this team and stuff. But if you take this team and you don't have Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and CJ McCollum, man, who's creating shots for other people? Like, you're putting a whole lot of stuff on Jose Alvarado to go, you know, Devontae dive underneath the Jesus, man. Shut up. <laughs> how we how are we gonna end it on that, Devontae Graham? No, but we're gonna end on a positive <laughs> note because I think both Zion and CJ should be all-stars this year. Yeah, usually I was in. looking at this. Usually the top three teams uh usually get two guys in. 
right? So not to even get one. Let's say Zion doesn't make it because he doesn't play enough games or something. They think, right? Well, CJ has to make it. But I still think that both of them, because of as your explanations have said, they both deserve it on merit. Yeah, absolutely. On merit. It, because if we're talking about, the, you know, it's an exhibition, yes. But I think that there has to, it's not a numbers game. It's, it's all-star. No, I mean, it's simple, the- yeah. It is, it is partially numbers, right, Grub? It's numbers plus role Impact. plus team winning to me. And yeah. CJ has more than checked off all the boxes for, what, six weeks now? If you're a top three team in the West, I'm sorry. It's, 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 it just doesn't make sense that the Pelicans – you you can't look at what CJ's been doing. Like you said, you can't look at it. You can't look at the production, especially in when they win, what his involvement is when they win. You know what I mean? Like, and you look at, he's the constant. Zion yes. and, and, and B.I. have been gone, but you have CJ only lineups and you look at their record and they have a winning record when it's just CJ and the guys. Mm-hmm. Like for him to pull that off, I'm sorry, he belongs on the All-Star team. You can't tell me that Demonis Sabonis. He's having well, a Demonis Sabonis here, and man. De'Aaron Fox. I mean, Hollander's You can't tell me De'Aaron there. Fox belongs ahead of CJ. No. Yeah. I've watched enough De'Aaron Fox over my lifetime to say that De'Aaron Fox is a good basketball player. He ain't an All-Star. He's better this year, but he's not above CJ. Not an All-Star. I don't think And De'Aaron you can't Fox tell me that. I mean, the other thing is, is that, well, like, <coughs> are they, like, All-Star game material? If you've watched CJ McCollum giving people buckets and you don't think that's all-star material, what all-star game have you been watching for the past 30 years? Because there's a whole bunch of dribble and hit a step back over somebody. And you know what? CJ McCollum's doing that in games that count, on possessions that count. If you want to let James Harden be in all-star games, CJ's more entertaining than James Harden. He's yeah, not, I'm going to lie with the fan base. I think CJ's been better there. than De'Aaron Fox. He's been better than yes. Damian Lillard this year. Yes. I, I mean, behind Steph and um, ja. and, and Luca, ja. he's the fourth. Oh, Ja, sorry. He's the fifth best guard. Yeah. I think overall, yeah, in the West. Overall, consider, like, like when you talk about that, yeah, the production of winning, scoring, creating, defending. And the role responsibility Being have, the leader. Right. Mm-hmm. All, like you said, all those things. That's what you. That's that's the definition of all star, right? And yes. that's supposed to be the definition, the best of your best. And so far, CJ has been one of the examples of the very best of the best for the NBA. All right, guys, we got to wrap it up. I, I thought it was another, but I, we had so much. We ended up with so much more because it's been so long. But also, I love talking with you guys, and 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 I thought we again. I think we had a great conversation. Yes, sir. I agree. We got we got to talk again Holly for week, all man. the all, all the time I have to talk about freaking John Hollinger, man. Yeah, what we will do is we will be back in about a week and we will do a trade-specific podcast. We'll get into what we think the positions of need are, targeted players, and we'll talk about, you know, both the financial impact um, that that, that the Pelicans would incur both in the short and the long term. Because we want to, you know, I think a lot of trade shows and when people do trades, they just look at player for player. And we've got in Fish somebody who understands and explains the cap and the implications of that extremely well. And, and, and all three of us, and, and, and if we have anybody else on that show, um, I think we'll, we'll try to present to you what we think are realistic. You know, not, we're not going to get in here and be like, they're going to pick up the book for it. No, we're not going to do those kinds of things. We're going to give you what we think are realistic and, and uh, trade um, options and, and possibilities and, and the implications. And I think uh, y'all will enjoy that as well. 
So, um, guys, thank you again for, for sharing your time. And, and, and to our audience, thank you for listening and being patient. And thank you for asking for us to come back and do this because it's been hard sometimes to, for us to all to get together. But we, we appreciate the demand um, and the desire for folks to hear us talk basketball. Uh, for Ali Cosell, for David Fisher, I am humbly David Grubb, and this has been The Bird Calls. In the words of our friend Preston Ellis, let's go pet. listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today